back to Bitwila the podcast, and today we are getting a look into New York City Comic Con 2019. As always, I'm your host Kate, and I'm here with Matt. Hello. And a few of our contributors had the chance to go to New York City Comic Con earlier in October and cover some great interviews and panels. Kristen Bates, one of our contributing writers, interviewed some amazing people, and she's going to talk about it today. Hey. Yes, I did go to New York Comic Con. It was very exciting. Um, surprisingly, I got to do four roundtable interviews this time, whereas last year I only got to do one. So seeing the difference in that has been awesome. Um, I've been a contributing writer for a bit why though for what, like almost two years? Yeah. Sweet. I, no. think you're, I think you've been with us as long as the site's been around, right? Uh, like, I no. You were, you were about, like, March or April, I think, of 2018, if I remember correctly. I, yeah. I think I came in February of 2018. Was it um, February? Okay. And yeah, so she's been around almost as long, like, maybe a month less. Than well, I knew she wasn't the, the full January set of people. Right. Um, but I knew she was in the second batch. Yeah, I'm sorry that if that's how I refer to you all, words. but that's how I refer to people if you come in <laughs> Tier <batches>. two. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you guys sent out that tweet asking for more writers, and I shot my shot, and I got in. So yeah, I think I've been yes. doing it for almost two years now, so that's pretty exciting. Um, this was my second New York Comic Con with you guys, uh, so the I was able to get some pretty good press access. I did, like I said earlier, I did four interviews. The first was with... Um, ABC's Emergence. Uh, so it's this new uh, show on ABC about like this mysterious plane crash and this girl that just kind of pops up out of nowhere at the plane crash and she has like these mysterious powers that people don't really know what it's about. So I got to talk to that cast. Um, Donald Faison was in there, which is pretty exciting. I got to I got to meet and talk to Donald Faison. Um, I love him. I Did know. you say Eagle? I didn't. I was. I wanted to be like a nice person. I didn't want to bring up any like, because I know he was in Star Wars Resistance, and then I also knew, of course, Scrubs. So I was trying to be like very careful because we're only allotted a certain amount of time with these yeah. interviews. And he was also uh, sitting with Ashley, who played the daughter of, um, Aww. like his character and Allison Tolman's character. So I didn't want to be like brush Ashley off and say hey Donald <laughs> so um, so I got to interview him that was really cool um, and then my next interview I did Hulu's Castle Rock which was really exciting um, so I got to interview the cast there and I think one of I my I believe you were also reviewing the show correct for us? Yes I am reviewing yes. it um, currently watching it i.e. haven't started it yet but I'm going to tonight LOL. But don't worry, this is get this gets posted in the future, so you've already like done watched it and everything. Yeah, I watched the first season, um, which was absolutely incredible. I was not expecting um, the ending of the season. Um, if you want to talk about it here, we most certainly can, but we can definitely set it up for spoilers. So season two is what <laughs> we did the interview on, um, and season two of Castle Rock brings in Annie Wilkes, who for Stephen King fans that is um, the person from his main. Uh, misery from the yep. movie. Yeah. So she's, yep. we have a younger version of her that's in season two. And so we'll get to talk more about that because it's just a really interesting setup. And then I also got to interview Samantha B, which was insanely exciting. I never thought that I would have that opportunity, but she's coming out with a new mobile game. Her full frontal team is coming out with a new mobile game. It's called. Uh, full frontals, totally unrigged primary. So we'll be talking about <laughs> politics in this podcast. So buckle up. Um, and then the last interview that I got to do was with it, a new TV show that hasn't come out yet. Um, and I think if I remember the press interview correctly, I don't think it's going to come out until 2020. Uh, but it's wow. based off of the book, um, The Bone Collector, written by Jeffrey Deaver. And it's the show's called uh, Lincoln Rhyme, and it's about the this investigator who's paraplegic who's trying to figure out who the bone collector is. So if anybody's seen the movie starring um, Angelina Jolie and yes. uh, <laughs> the main character, which I can't believe I forgot his name, Denzel Washington. 
Oh, no, it is Denzel Washington. Yeah. So the funny thing is, I always forget Angelina plays in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I know Denzel does, but... Probably. She also did Salt. I remember the beautiful white dreadlocks she had in that movie. So that's that's the commentary I'm bringing to this discussion. Um, But yeah, the Lincoln interview was interesting. We only got to interview the executive producer and uh, Russell Hornsby, who plays Lincoln Rhyme. And that was pretty much it. So I, we don't really know a whole lot of what's going on with that. But I am excited to talk more about that as well. So, yeah, those are the interviews that I did. Really fun, exciting stuff. Um, but we can talk about ABC's emergence first. And well, before we get into that, I do want to say this is your second time being there, correct? Like, yes. As you said, right? This is my second time. I just want to point out, like, that I think you were the very first person to ever get anywhere on from our from Budweiser, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was funny because when you got your acceptance for New York City Comic Con, Matt and I got denied for PAX South, which is no like PAX the, West. Oh, PAX West, that's what it was. Yeah, at the very same time. Oh wow! Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and then I think last year I was the only um, contributing writer with But Why Though that got yeah. a press pass for New York Comic Con. Um, you were the very first person to ever get a press pass. Whoa! Okay, cool. <laughs> that's what yeah. the whole point was. That's what I want to talk about. Like, you were literally the very first oh. person to ever get a press pass wow. for us. And then it was New York City Comic Con. But oh yes, God. it was also very me being very salty because, like, literally I got declined for PAX West like a week later. And I was like, I run the website. No, <laughs> Matt was, like, real sad for a while. Oh like, it was, like, gosh. a solid month of Matt being sad. And then until we got approved for PAX South and then PAX West, Matt still brought it up. All the time. But yes, oh so, I just want to bring that up. But yes, you are the very first person to ever be approved to anything. Wow. Do I get like a pen or something? I mean, I don't have it, but I have this podcast and I'm telling you that, that we can all celebrate it here because I don't have a pen. Okay. I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. I remember that because last year I got the interview for Man in the High Castle, uh, which was absolutely incredible. I got to stare into the eyes of Rufus Sewell. Um, and ask him a question and that was also like my first tangle with um, roundtable interviews and talking to um, well-established actors so you know I think on the outside I was calm and collected but on the inside I was like shaking I was like oh my god I can't do this but yeah that was really exciting and then to go from that to we had three contributors at New York Comic Con this year yep. yep um and then one of them mateo he interviewed todd mcfarlane he got to interview um yep. todd mcfarlane which was like absolutely awesome so yeah a lot of like we're making moves yeah a lot of like super cool improvements and like growing that's happening and the fact that i was able to go from one interview to four interviews um with this like round table stuff is just super exciting. And then I'm already thinking about next year, seeing if I can do like red carpet stuff with New York comic con. Um, so stay tuned. Um, <laughs> like yes, now we can get into ABC's emergence. I just want to bring that up about talking about the first one. Oh, thank you. I was also kind of bummed that a uh, man in the high castle didn't come back for New York comic con since their f- series ends in November. Like their last season is coming out. Next that month. is really weird. Yeah. Cause... Well, if it ends in November, I can see him not being there because at that point that it had to be already on correct or already almost set. Well, it comes no, out, but it's like it's season finale. It hasn't come out yet. Yeah. The series, the series finale, the series comes out November 12th, I think. So they oh, would have okay, like okay. a whole month between, you know, New York comic con and that to like promote the series ender and then even bring more people on board like hey if you haven't seen the first three seasons they're all available on amazon prime um so you can like watch all of that Mm -hmm. so i was kind of bummed i was looking forward to seeing them again um if i was to get press access but moving on from that abc's emergence so this was my (laughs) first interview um so on abc's website just like a generic summary of the show it's a character driven thriller so emergence is about a police chief who takes in a young child she finds near the site of like a mysterious like plane crash and this young child has no memory of what has happened and so the investigation draws her into a conspiracy larger than she has ever imagined and the child's identity is at the (laughs) center of it all ooh spoopy um so it's uh 
Allison Tolman. She plays Joe Evans, who's this police chief in this small town. Um, and so uh, Joe Evans and Alex Evans, who's played by Donald Faison, like they they have a divorce, but it's like a very healthy, functioning like relationship. Like Alex is still um, a huge father figure um, in their child's life, and their child is Mia Evans, um, who's played by Ashley Ofterheide. Um, and I say that last name really quickly because I don't quite know how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joe Evans, Alex Evans, they, they're a divorced couple, but they have a very healthy functioning relationship. They're still friendly towards each other. They still rely on each other. Um, and there's still kind of like this old romance that's still kind of there, um, that's beneath the surface. And so this mysterious girl who's played by Alexa Swinton, she comes into the picture. Um, and so Joe Evans has to take her in because if she puts her in an adoption facility, um, there's a chance that she can't find her parents. And um, there are government officials that are posing as her parents, trying to get her back into like this maybe government facility. So it's kind of like a Stranger Things meets... Um, All I keep thinking is Brightburn. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. like Stranger Things meets Brightburn meets. I'm trying to think of like another small town, like thriller where like big government comes in and the small town is like trying to challenge um, that. But my mind is going blank. So there's a lot of familiarity with that and this mysterious. I like how they do keep the small. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I like how they do have kept the uh, small town mentality of we have a Benny, a Piper, a Joe, an Alex, Mm -hmm. an Ed. So they've definitely uh, nailed down the names for this town. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, So the mysterious girl uh, that stays with the family, they name her Piper. Um, We don't know who her real name is, what she's about. But um, so far, based on the show, it seems like she can manipulate a lot of metal objects, maybe like a little uh, mini magneto. Um, and but and it has to do a lot with like magnetism too, because um, every time there's a site uh, that has her manipulation on it somehow there's like this um strong after effect of like metal objects floating in the air or like a high um like electricity value to it so there's like all of these unknowns um and i don't know if we want to get too spoilery with what's going on i've only uh i haven't seen last week's or this last episode that's come out this week but it's up to you guys if we want to get spoilery with this yeah, I wouldn't just because the series just started. Yeah. Yes. So we can use that as like a primer to get people into it because it comes out. When does it come on? Um, it comes on Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights. <laughs> Let's go with Wednesday nights. Yeah, I think it comes out Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote a piece about it and it's on the piece. I will link all of Tristan's pieces in the show notes yeah. for you to read and see and go more in depth. Yeah, I'll say Wednesday. I final answer. Um, <laughs> but my interviews were great. Um, Owen Yaman plays Benny Gallagher, and Benny Gallagher is his investigative reporter. Immediately my favorite because he is a journalist. Um, he's um, <laughs> investigating this plane crash. He's investigating like why this is happening and. Joe Evans has to work with him and because he's such a babe you know there's going to be like romantic tensions or like flirting that's going to happen um uh the girl who plays Piper Alexis Winton when we were at the interview she was shipping Benny and Joe like so hard <laughs> she's like I want them to get together so bad um so that's that's the excitement you have a love triangle you have a government conspiracy you have an adorably cute girl with some magneto type powers and you have donald Faison. and then you also have clancy brown who plays ed who's joe evans dad um and i love clancy brown he is an icon and he is lovely he is so lovely he was so much fun to talk to he was super chill he was wearing like a hawaiian shirt 
Um, and there were <laughs> that's how he was at a Fantastic Fest. He was just wearing like Birkenstocks oh my and gosh. like cargo shorts. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna dress up as him for Halloween. Um, <laughs> but for those of you who may not be familiar, like the best I like cultural icon I can place him with was that he voices Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob. But he's also done like yep other amazing things. Um, he what's I've had like this weird like six what's like the game? It's like six degrees of connection. Um, yeah, six Kevin. degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of that with these interviews because I interviewed Clancy Brown. Uh, he voiced some Star Wars characters. Um, if you're a huge Clone Wars fan, he voiced Savage Opress. Um, and Donald Faison was in Star Wars Resistance. Um, and then I interviewed the cast of Hulu's Castle Rock and J.J. Abrams is an executive producer on that show. And for those of you who are not familiar, J.J. Abrams uh, was behind Star Wars Force Awakens and is directing. J.J. Abrams did Mission Impossible 3 and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, so that's like with that. And then Clancy Brown also played in uh, Shawshank Redemption. And, which is a Stephen King thing. And then mm-hmm. uh, I got to interview Tim Robbins, uh, who played Andy uh, DeFresney in the Shawshank Redemption, the main character. And so that was really crazy. So, like, a lot of these, like, six degrees of separation where I'm like, wait a minute, there's all of these ties. Um, Clancy Brown is also Gunmar in Troll Hunters. Yes, absolutely. He's And he... Yeah, and he is in uh, the Mortuary Collection, which is what I reviewed at Fantastic Fest, Ooh. Uh, which is an anthology horror film. Ooh, link that in the show notes, too. It's real good. <laughs> but uh, when I interviewed him, he said he liked being in this older role um, and watching, like... And not a crab. And not a crab. <laughs> but he likes watching, like, Allison Tolman and Donald Faison, like, just kind of be the main stars of the show and he gets to be like a supporting person that is like you know the old guy that has to take care of like the younger people and provide words of wisdom um so the character of ed he's he's like that dad that you would want to where if you have like this problem and you don't know what to do like he always has a solution or he always tells you um you know to do the morally right thing um and so he uh, Clancy talked a lot about that and he, he was saying that he wished that his character Ed was a little bit more skeptical because you know you're bringing in this child that has these powers into a family unit um, there's uh, going to be some skepticism there like Donald Faison's character has a lot of skepticism and trust issues with that but Ed is very like open and just chill go with the flow um, but I, I will have to disagree with Clancy. I like that Ed is very open and just the voice of reason and wisdom in that family. So it was a very fun interview. That sounds like, that sounds awesome. That sounds really great. And I actually do want to watch the show now. It's great. I, I enjoy it. Um, I don't often like have shows that come on on a weekly basis where I have to say oh my gosh I have to sit down and watch this it's coming on because usually it's always through like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon but these are shows I will sit down and watch it but even if you do miss episodes I think they are available on Hulu fun fact I think yeah I think ABC is all day after yeah I think yes they are yeah yeah because Grey's Anatomy. That is the one thing I watch all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because of Grey's Anatomy. I like how that's how we solve that problem. Was through Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, Hulu's Castle Rock, which was a huge thing. Season one uh, was just like this. How it was set up was just like this incredible, incredible like way of exploring like the universe of Stephen King. Um, and it was all set in modern like present time um and Mm -hmm. so season two we have lizzie kaplan who plays annie wilkes we have uh paul sparks who plays john ace merrill um and if you're not familiar with that he was in the movie the lost boys um and uh ace merrill was played by the wonderfully amazing Kiefer sutherland um it's the lost boys right i got that right 
I believe so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. And then because he had the yep yeah had the iconic hairdo. Stand by me. Stand by lost, me. Lost boy. I don't. So the problem is, is you confused him with the with the blonde headed vampire in. <sighs> Dang. In the Lost Boys, you're right. So he was in the <laughs> Lost Boys, but Ace Merrill was played by Keeper Sutherland in Stand yes, by Me. In Stand by Me. Correction. Um, I will make my same apology. haircut. It's an it's an understandable. <laughs> like they're literally the same person. I'm just like gonna just, put a side by side in the show notes for yeah. this because they 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 don't look different. It's like he had walked off set and just immediately transitioned to this other film. Yep. So um, I do have a question before we go continue. Yes. What is the difference between actual Castle Rock and the Man in High Castle? Because I feel like they're like the same shows, and I do not know the difference. Great question. What? And I have a great answer for you. Uh, Man in the High Castle was based on a book um, from an author whose name I cannot remember, and I'm really sorry. I'm going to be pulling it up while I talk about Man in the High Castle. Man in the High Castle is an alternative universe where the Nazis won World War II. And they've taken over um, pretty much half of America, uh, the eastern half, and then the western half belongs to the Japanese. Um, and so it's sort of this what-if scenario um, if uh, Nazi Germany won World War II. Um, so throughout the series, you have like these uh, American rebels who are fighting against um, the Nazis and um, the, the Japanese uh, to gain control back of America. And so we start to find out that there is, since it is a sci-fi uh, based novel and series, we start to find out that there are alternative dimensions um, and alternative realities. And so there's a reality, the one that we live in where um, Nazi Germany lost World War II. And so um, the big plot is there's these tapes of these realities that um, Nazi Germany is trying to keep away from the rebels because they don't want them to have hope and rise up and overthrow the regime. Um, but of course they get a hold of these tapes, they find out that there's these alternative realities and they uh, find out how to gain access to these realities. Um, at the same time, Nazis do. Um, so it's sort of like a race to beat them to make sure that Nazis don't take over all of these alternative realities. Um, and Castle Rock is a show based on sort of all of the lore um, and characters and events in Stephen King novels, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Castle Rock is an MCU, but for Stephen King books. <laughs> yes. They've all been thrown together. So I was with this all the way until we start talking about reality tapes. Right. And then I was like, <laughs> so, we went Man off. of the we High Castle, written by Philip K. Dick, uh, is about Nazis winning World War II. And uh, Castle Rock is about a town in the Stephen King books where a lot of his uh, books take place. Make sense? Yeah. All right. Great. And that I think you we're going to get it. out of that. And I think <laughs> you should watch it because it's beautiful and it's so good. And uh, Philip K. Dick wrote the book of For Man of the High Castle. And his daughter, um, Isa Hackett, she is a producer and writer for Man of the High Castle. So that's kind of. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. sweet. Um, so Castle Rock, um, it's about this town in. Uh, Stephen King's novels like just going back through so I watched the first season and we're in the middle of October Halloween spooky stuff so there's going to be a lot of Stephen King movies that are playing um, and so I was actually watching Creepshow which has a lot of like short um, Stephen King like essays that were turned into graphic novels um, and there was a lot of references to Castle Rock the town um, so that was kind of cool seeing that all draw together so the second season, you have Annie Wilkes in there that's played by Lizzie Kaplan, um, John Ace Merrill, and Chris Merrill, the Merrill brothers. Um, Chris Merrill is played by Matthew Allen. And then you have Tim Robbins, who plays the father, um, Reginald Pop Merrill. They call him Pop. Um, I love Tim Robbins. Me too. He's so, he's so adorable. Uh, when we were interviewing him, like, 
uh, he, I don't know, he was just so much fun to talk to and easygoing. Um, and he was talking about how he was excited to come back into the Stephen King universe. And he was excited to work more on like the horror side of Stephen King yeah. versus like his role with Shawshank Redemption. So with that being said, I when we interviewed the co-creator of the show, Dustin Thomason, he was saying that the second season is going to have a lot more of like the Stephen King horror elements that we've all come to know and love from his books. Um, something that was slightly confusing that I think a lot of us were trying to wrap our heads around was the fact that this is Annie Wilkes' backstory. However, it's set in present day. Um, yeah. Even though the events of misery happened like in the 80s so it's it's like her backstory but it's not um so it's it's kind of interesting um thomason was saying that he trusts like the the people who watch the show like the viewers that they'll be able to wrap their head around it and just like accept it um yeah but that was something that was confusing to me um and then again with like Ace Merrill, like his character dies in like the 90s I think yet this is set in like modern time so and then also Annie Wilkes in this season she has a daughter her name is Joy Wilkes and Joy is played by Elsie Fisher uh, who was in a great movie called Booksmart um, I think that's the name of the movie I'm a terrible no <laughs> I'm a terrible you know the name of the movie <laughs> <laughs> don't Played in a great movie book smart, but we don't Eighth grade. Gosh dang. Okay. She was in a eighth grade. You're just like you are literally just naming <laughs> movies that are analogous to movies that people were in at this point. Six degrees of separation? Um <laughs> I'm a terrible entertainment journalist. Uh, yeah, so um I'm glad I didn't do this at the round table. Um so Elsie Fisher, you were in Book Smart? No. Um, Elsie starred in eighth grade. Which nobody says they saw that movie. <laughs> which is a great movie. Everyone should watch it. Um, she plays Annie Wilkes' daughter. Um, and so I was curious about like the mother daughter relationship that they would have because Annie Wilkes is a psychopath. Um, and Joy. Who kills all of her husbands. Yeah. And who like kills patients in the hospitals that she works at like she's mm-hmm. a psycho and like murders a lot of people and so I was asking Elsie about that I was like how is this relationship gonna pan out like I would have to assume at some point that Joy figures out what's going on and all she said was yeah they just have a normal mother-daughter relationship that happens when you know you're a teenager <laughs> and I like I call bullshit on that like things are gonna go down um so she was very coy about it. Um, and when we were talking to Paul Sparks, who plays Ace Merrill, um, he said that he was very excited to get back into sort of like a gangsterish role. Um, so there's going to be a lot of like questions of loyalty in this season. And these characters are going to interact with each other. Like Annie Wilkes is definitely going to interact with the Merrill brothers and the Merrill family. Um, Raw. That's awesome. Yeah, which is like really cool. It's like a blend of all of these Stephen King characters. And um, there's going to be a lot of changes. Uh, like we're going to interact a lot with Salem's Lot as well. Um, and there's going to be an immigrant which community that's uh, going to come into play into the second season. Uh, so that's going to be really cool uh, just to see that relationship between like Castle Rock and Salem's Lot. Um that kind of rhymes in a weird way but which like if y'all don't know Salem's Lot Salem's Lot is where vampires are yes give me some sweet vampire action um I know you've been on a vampire (laughs) kick lately um wanting Oscar Isaac to play Dracula which I fully support this Oscar Isaac if you listen to this podcast uh please reach out to any agent or uh team and say that you want to throw your hat and ring for Dracula because you will have support um, Yes. or if they did a remake of Fright Night and cast Oscar Isaac as Ooh. yeah I just watched the like 1980s version of it um, that would be real good so like another remake remake yeah like a the second remake, remake number three <laughs> um, 
just remake every movie with Oscar Isaac. It's fine. Um, yes, that was pretty much what I've been saying for the past two days. Yeah, listen to Kate. She's on to something. This movie, but Oscar Isaac. <laughs> yeah, I I support it. I am engrossed in it. But yeah, so season two, Castle Rock. Uh, I think there's three episodes available on Hulu now. Um, and it's it's going to have more of a horror element. We're going to get a backstory with Annie Wilkes, even though it's going to be set in present time. Um, and then Pop... Uh, the father of the Merrill brothers, he's going to be leaving his business. And he also said something kind of interesting because he's, uh, when I interviewed Tim Robbins, he said that pop was among the original three that dealt with the evil in castle rock. And I was like, what does that mean? Are we like, this opens up a whole new can of worms. Like I just threw out my questions because I was like, this is new. Um, but he wouldn't elaborate on it. So there's, things going on and uh the cast members were saying that people in castle rock tend to forget about all of like the horrible supernatural elements that have happened um so it's like we see the supernatural we see the weird but they're like um the sims where they're just sort of like oh just going through my daily grind um so that's going to be interesting i'm hoping that they'll address the evil um and I'm hoping that they'll sort of address how the last season ended. Should I talk about the last season or should we just... You can do that. Okay. I think you can do that. All yeah. right. Spoilers ahead. Um, so the last season ended basically where there was... Um, sorry, Matt. I'm going to break into alternative dimensions and other worlds again. But Well, I was going to ask the question. I figured out how I got it confused. Are we bringing in the clown from an alternate dimension? Oh my gosh, is Pennywise going to show up? <laughs> no, even though Bill Skarsgård was in the first season. Yep. Um, so it ended kind of weird. So the first season, it's this guy named uh, Henry Deaver. He's going back to Castle Rock because um, he's helping out with the case um, from this person that was found in the Shawshank prison um, who wasn't like arrested or put in there um he was like kidnapped and put in there by like the Shawshank prison um main honcho um forgot his name and so Henry Deaver kind of opens up this mystery and then also like confronts the trauma of his like childhood past because he was adopted um and his dad was like this preacher in Castle Rock who believed that God was speaking to him through um, different worlds and so there is like this forest area in Castle Rock where all of these worlds merge and so how the show opens is that Henry Deaver as a kid was missing for a long time for like a few days I want to say um, in this specific world of Castle Rock and this police officer finds Henry Deaver like in the middle of like ice and Henry Deaver is like just fine and he's just chilling and he has no idea what happened. But at the end of the season, you realize Henry Deaver was actually gone for years in like this other world. Um, and Bill Skarsgård, char uh, his character, um, who was like this weird, um, <laughs> weird white guy. Um, I don't know how else to describe him. That would just like all this trouble would happen around him. We find out that this weird guy that's causing all this trouble, he's actually Henry Deaver in another world of Castle Rock. And so since he's been displaced, all of these weird events are happening. Um, so I'm hoping they address that in some way. Um, so basically this is like fringe. In a way, in a way. Um, which also has basically all these worlds meet in a forest and basically a kid going into another dimension, which is what <laughs> we end up happening. And we try to get them later and the two parents trying to figure out which kid is theirs. Who's that's also falls in ice is how they get saved. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> what <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So the interview ended with uh, Dustin Thomason talking about the show, and he was saying that J.J. Abrams is involved in the show a lot more than we think. And he just made this offhand comment. He was like, yeah, I had to fly to one of the Star Wars sets to like talk to J.J. Abrams about what was going on. And I tried really 
coyly i was like what was that star wars set and he was like you know i can't tell you that i was like dang so close um but yeah season two of castle rock i think there's three episodes available on hulu right now and you should definitely watch it if you're a stephen king fan even if you're not like obsessed with stephen king or maybe you haven't read all the books this is still like a good interesting like thriller show to keep you involved there's a lot of good content in it so the fun fact about this is a uh, jj abrams actually created french oh my gosh <laughs> what is happening? What are we unpacking? <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure J.J. Abrams created it, but I'm going to double check to make sure before I talk, because it, it's obviously, it's been over for a few years, but it was one of my favorite shows when it was on. This is some deep stuff. Like, what What are we, like, uncovering here? This is a conspiracy. <laughs> um, and then I got to interview Samantha B. and that was crazy. That was awesome. Um, she's coming out with a new mobile game. Um, Full Frontal is. Um, it's called Full Frontal's Totally Unrigged Primary. Um, so Samantha B is a part of it. Um, Adam Warback is kind of like the man, like the production manager of it. Like he oversees it. He also helped with the first mobile game uh, that they made. It's called This Is Not a Game, The Game, which I love these titles. They're so funny. They're so clever. Um, and then Roseanne uh, Galagini, she is a part of it as well. And she's like the, um, she's the producer for the show, but she's also uh, like, she works on the show when they're like on location, when they go to, um, when they go offset, she helps produces, uh, produce those types of segments. And she's also working on this as well. So basically uh, it is a mobile game involving heavy politics, uh, so if that's not your thing, sorry. Um, so it's for the candidates for the 2020 presidential election. And when you have this mobile game, you'll get to choose uh, which candidate you support. And then you'll do challenges um, for this candidate to win points for this candidate. And these challenges are daily challenges. Like as soon as you wake up in the morning, like there's a new challenge for you to do. And what you do is there'll be trivia. Um, there'll be jokes and stuff that you'll have to do. Um, I think uh, Samantha B said like, you'll have to rate the jokes. Um, if they're like good jokes or bad jokes, um, along with like trivia um, and other types of challenges and whoever whichever candidate racks up the most points from these challenges, um, they will receive a donation um, from uh, what Full Frontal calls Samantha B's swear jar. Um, and so that's like a, a, a donation they'll give to the candidate that receives the most points through their mobile app. So you can play for any candidate that you want to. Um, it doesn't oh, matter. Shit. Yeah, it does not matter. Um, so any candidate that's still running for president. And so it, it changes with the news as well because during this time like everything changes candidates drop out and the more candidates that drop yeah. out the more competitive it gets as well um do they drop out yeah eventually yeah. yes i think Are we one, sure i think one dropped yes. out today <laughs> that i forgot was running um well i guess that'd be the more bigger question of i forgot was running was the main thing of that yeah and i'm they'll definitely have a list but i have a feeling it's going to be like really popular candidates like Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris um, or something like that. Um, so um, you pick whichever candidate you want. And uh, Samantha B says it's like HQ, HQ trivia and fantasy football mixed together. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of fun interviewing them. You can just really tell that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of satire and political humor behind it, but you can also tell that, they really care about just making sure that people are informed about, you know, voting um, and how to vote and who to vote for and what their stance is, because not a lot of the American population vote. I mean, they vote for presidential elections, but, you know, for smaller local elections, the turnout is just not there. So they're hoping by doing this, it gets people interested in maybe their own local politics and like how they can help their community. Um, and so you can tell that they're passionate about that. And, um, you know, this mobile game, I, although it's going to be like 
you know, kind of like the fun, like the, the stupid funny, um, there's going to be a lot of information in there as well that can help you um, make an informed choice. And they also said that you can change your candidate if like halfway through you don't like them and you're like, oh, I don't want to vote for this person anymore. I don't want to like play for this candidate anymore. You can change your candidate and all the points that you got for that candidate will transfer to this new one that you're supporting. Um, so yeah, that was a uh, pretty cool. And I actually want to play the game now. I don't like mobile games, but I like I like that. I like the way that sounds. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't seem like too intense or heavy. And even mm -hmm. if like life gets in the way, which it almost always does, like you can go back and complete challenges that you've missed from like previous days or previous events. Um, and so they were That's saying really cool. that that gets. Um, that that'll come in handy later on when you're trying to uh, when it gets to like the nitty gritty and you're trying to win the most points for the candidate um, and you can go back and complete those challenges and so it's um, it's for a good cause you learn a lot um, about politics about the politicians that you're um, rooting for um, about the primaries how that works and you're also having a fun time doing it. And I even think Samantha B says that she sings in this mobile app. So if if nothing else convinces you, Samantha B singing should be like the one. So I do have an interesting question. Um, how many times are they probably going to have to update this app, though? Um, that's a great question. Because we are because we are following the news and with the game stuff, and you have to add content pretty much almost yeah. weekly to biweekly at this point. That's a good question. They never said anything about, like, updating. Um, they just said that this uh, game was pretty flexible um, with the changing newscape. So I would have to assume, based on that flexibility, um, you might be required to update a few times um, unless they only have updates for, like, bug fixes. So I feel like maybe the first few weeks of the mobile game app, it'll be kind of wonky. Um, but they didn't say... Um, you know what it, if they would have to update so i don't know okay and i uh we don't have a release date for it uh but samantha b said that it would come out late october and it is late october right now so i checked the other day and it's not in the app store i'm going to check again and see uh if if we have that uh available yeah, because I was going to ask you about this, because what is the, I guess, because obviously these are fun and obviously it's a mobile game and whatnot, but what is the actual, outside of, like, information-based, is this more towards a long-term project or just something we're going to run this for about a year to year and a half and then that's about it and we'll wrap it up? Um, That's a good question. I think it was just going to be up until the 2020 presidential election, um, but I do remember uh, Roseanne saying that they wanted to explore with this and see what else they could do so there is a very good possibility that they'll keep this and um they'll get it ready for maybe like the next presidential election or maybe like the senate race that's going to happen in like uh, the few years after the election um but they definitely said that that they're very invested in this um and they want to see where it goes Okay, because then I was like, well, you know, how much are you invested if this was a two-year game, or are we going to try to branch it out to, like yeah. you said, yeah. other types of things? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like something that you can adapt to other types of elections, but then I feel like once you get like too granular, it may be too much work to put per location, unless it's like really, really successful and they can expand a dev team to like do it like so... Um, like local elections, Senate, Senate races, like all those are like way bigger than than the presidency in like terms of like what i would assume would be like different playable pieces right right going on in the game yeah that's true um but i know based on the interview and based on what they said that they're invested and curious about how this was going to turn out so i mean i can imagine if it's pretty successful they'll definitely do it again for um the next presidential election um and maybe see uh, what they can do for, um, yeah. like, other, maybe not super local elections, but maybe some other big ones that would come up. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, like, the, like you said, the Senate or even, like, governor-type ones and whatnot. Yeah. 
but it seems pretty cool. Um, I don't think it's out now. I checked the app store. It's not available, but it might be actually like late, late October. So but I'm looking forward to it too. Um, I'm excited to download it and see how the game works and what the dynamics are. Um, and see if they're going to create any more mobile games too. Is this a free game? Are we what type of? Yeah, it's a free game. You're not gonna have to pay. Okay. I feel like with that paywall, it's it would a... limit. Well, that's what I was wondering. I was like, is this a free game, or is this a free game with premium paywall, or is it just straight paywall? Yeah, I it's free. I um okay. I don't think there's any type of paywall. It was funny um, cool. in the interview, like uh, the vast majority of us wanted to talk to them about this mobile game. But there was this one guy, uh, he he was from out of country, he was visiting in, and so all he wanted to talk about was um, how uh, Samantha B is, like, pissing off Donald Trump, basically. So every time we would, like, ask questions, like, how does this dynamic work? Like, what are the challenges that we have to do during the game? Like, every time he would start talking, it would be like, yes, like, this is important, but also we got to get this content for, like, this mobile game because... <laughs> we got to talk about this oh so that was that was funny but yeah i'm really awesome. i'm really glad i got to interview samantha b that was such a cool experience and like all of them uh roseanne adam samantha they were so much fun to talk to um and they you could tell that they were really invested in this yeah, I'd say that would probably be going on your LinkedIn over Cal you were the first person to go to New York City Comic Con. Uh, yep. <laughs> and I blaze the trail. <laughs> and interview the Samantha B. Um so that brings us to our last interview that I did. Uh so it's kind of it was kind of unusual. Um it's it's for this NBC show. Um, if I remember in the interview, um, the, the couple of people that I got to talk to, the show doesn't actually come out until 2020, uh, which is interesting why they, uh, brought it to New York Comic Con this year, but, um, yeah. it's, it's a show based on the book, The Bone Collector, um, by Jeffrey Deaver, um, and also the movie we talked about earlier with Angelina Jolie and Denzel Washington. Um, so when I got the press thing, it was just NBC's Lincoln. And I was like, hell yeah, we're getting a show about Abraham Lincoln, buddy. Yes. <laughs> um, imagine my surprise when I read the press release statement and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so this was what I got. Um, this is what it says. Uh, Universal Television presents NBC's new drama, Lincoln. Um, it's inspired by the best-selling book, The Bone Collector. Former NYPD detective and forensic genius Lincoln Rhyme joins forces with intuitive young officer Amelia Sachs to crack the city's most confounding cases as they also race to take down the enigmatic bone collector who brought them together. Um, so, based... Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun, dun! Spooper mysterious. Um, so, Russell Hornsby, he plays Lincoln Rhyme. Um... For those familiar with Russell Hornsby, he's played a lot of, like, police detectives. Um, you know him in Grimm, uh, that TV show. Uh, he was Grimm's, like, best friend and, like, uh, assistant detective in the show. Um, and then uh, you have Arielle Kibble, who plays Amelia Sachs. Um, and you have Michael Imperioli. Uh, he's, he's a famous guy as well. I think he was in The Sopranos. Um, but he's done like a lot of cool work that uh, people might know him from. And then I also got to talk to Peter um, Tregott, who's the executive producer. Um, I didn't get a chance to interview Michael Imperioli, which I was kind of bummed about, but next time maybe. Um, and then I didn't get to interview uh, Ariel, who plays Amelia Sachs. But I did get to talk to Russell Hornsby and Peter Trugott. Um And so Russell Hornsby... I think the elephant in the room that we need to address is that Lincoln Rhyme is a character with a disability and uh, the char he is paraplegic and uh, Russell Hornsby 
is not an actor with a disability. So you have an able-bodied actor portraying somebody who has a disability. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion around that to see, um, you know, the difficulties of an actor that has a disability trying to play a character that has a disability. So um, that was something that I noticed. Um, it was interesting. Russell Hornsby was really quick to bring it up, but and he was it was like he was addressing it but not addressing it and something that he was talking about he was saying you know I worked with a an acting coach um I worked with I've interviewed and talked to a lot of people who were uh who are paraplegic and I really wanted to make sure I got it down right to represent the community the best way possible um which is, you know, all well and good. Like, I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he w- didn't just, like, show up and was like, yes, I can do this. Um, but it was very much a moment of, I'm an actor. I should be able to be challenged um, and play, like, these challenging roles. Um, almost like a, a Scarlet. It was really close to being, like, a, a ScarJo quote. And I was like, oof, this is going to be an awkward table interview. But um, I think he was quick to address it but in a non-confrontational way. I still don't know how I feel about it um, because there is that larger discussion of, you know, having actors who have disabilities, like giving them the opportunity to act um, and to do their job. So I don't know what you guys think about that. I, it's one of those things where like, I personally just don't, have any thoughts on it just because that's not my area the same way that like I wouldn't want somebody who like isn't Latino like speaking from that area Mm -hmm. so I just kind of like I don't form any thoughts like that's not that's not my positionality so whatever I say is gonna not be as uh, valid or weighty as somebody who who isn't who is disabled so I just kind of absolutely I would rather not speak on that of course I don't have that range to speak on that so I just I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally see that. I'd, I'll be interested to see how it's done when the show actually comes out. Um, you know, I can tell that Russell Hornsby is definitely invested in the character. Um, and, uh, you know, he's done his research, things like that. But again, you know, it's it's hard not to acknowledge that conversation that has happened that is currently happening um, within uh, the community of people and actors uh, with disabilities who don't see themselves being yeah. represented um, in the media. So, um, yeah. So Lincoln Rhyme, he's paraplegic. Uh, he can't, you know, go out in the field and find the bone collector, but he can investigate. Uh, he's a forensic genius that's what they call him he's like the very best at solving crimes um so he needs um Amelia Sachs to go and be the foot person like um investigate um and figure out who the bone collector is so they have to work together essentially um and I got to kind of like stop Ariel Kibble in the hallway after the interview because I didn't we didn't get to interview her so I just wanted to stop her and like ask her a few questions about her character and she was very nice and she answered but she was saying that oh that's awesome yeah yeah I was like hey so sorry uh we ran out of time but like uh someone offhand the executive producer offhandedly mentioned that your character has PTSD um what can we like talk more about that what's going on and so she was saying that her character Amelia in this in the series is going to have to deal with like or go through her PTSD while finding the bone collector. And she has to go through like a lot of um, trauma that she's experienced in the past that we'll get to learn more of um, as the series goes on. Um, And then when I did speak to the executive producer, something that I wanted to know with uh, how these shows are made up, I wanted to know if we knew who the bone collector was going to be as soon as the series started. Um, And so... yeah. Peter said that yes we will know but uh, Lincoln Rhyme and Amelia Sachs won't have an idea uh, he's I, mm. I believe he said that um, Lincoln Rhyme will find out at the end of season one um, and then the next few seasons will be about 
really trying to go after the bone collector. Um, so yeah. that was kind of an interest to me in the back of my mind. Like, how are they going to draw this out for several seasons? But it seems like they have a pretty yeah. clear indicator of at least how the next three or four seasons are going to go. So it definitely has my attention. So do we... Yeah. I was going to say, one, we know they know they're getting four seasons. That's impressive. Um, I I mean, I don't know if they, <laughs> they know. They just know, like, <laughs> how to draw it out for, like, yeah. the next few seasons. Because that's what I was going to... Because I was like, my questions were basically like, so how do we draw this stuff out? Yeah. Because either we're going to know the whole time, or they're going to find out, like, in the middle of season one, or like you said, the end of season one, and it's like, okay, now what do we do? Is this become well, just a manhunt to, show at well, this point? to be fair, like, that's how Hannibal did it. Like, we knew, mm. I mean, they couldn't hide it, because Hannibal was Hannibal, so we knew who Hannibal was the entire time, but uh, you had this detective on the other side who was working and trying to find other killers that were tangential to Hannibal and then eventually with him. So, like, there there are multiple shows where, like, we have known who is there. And it's I mean, I know there are multiple about, shows like, like that. the main but... character trying to catch up with our knowledge. Right, right. Right. So I feel like there's going to the be a lot thing of is... seasons where, like, they're solving different crimes that may not be the bone collectors doing just to kind of, like, fill in the gaps. Like, it's going to be yeah. um, maybe, like, a Law and Order SVU type thing. Dun, dun. Yeah. I just wanted to say that yeah. so I could do that. <laughs> I know this is probably weird, but I keep bugging me and I keep thinking about it. Did, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't asked, but like, why did they name it Lincoln? I'm assuming obviously from the main character, but like, I just feel like I feel like you every time I read that, I'm like, that is like the last thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> I know. And so, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of more working from like a marketing of like you said Lincoln. I'm like, we talking about Abe Lincoln? We talking about like the car Lincoln? Yeah, I think we got I'm Matthew Abe McConaughey Lincoln. commercial I going think on. Abe Lincoln, or I think Lincoln from the 100, which was a TV show on the CW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really excited when I saw that because I was like. Yes, Abraham Lincoln. It's finally happening. He gets his own TV series. Um, but so that's all it said in the press email was just the quotes around Lincoln. But when I saw like the presser poster, um, it the like the full thing said Lincoln rhyme hunt for the bone collector. Um, okay. So that's on the poster. But then I also feel like once they find the bone collector after a few seasons, like the hunt is over. Are they going to have to change the name or? I don't know. All excellent questions. They didn't quite address that, but maybe since it's not out yet, um, they'll they can probably change it to like Lincoln Rhyme or I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, feel like, I think I it's Ben Rhymes' brother at this point. There like, have I'm been just... like different movies that have like debuted with like a different name, and there have Correct. been shows that have debuted with different names when they started their press tours. Yeah, so that that very well might happen. Yeah. Um, because they can't call I don't know. The I mean, maybe they think it's yeah because they'll figure out who the bone collector is after the first few seasons and then they'll be like well shit we don't have a show anymore <laughs> yeah no i mean obviously i mean i'm sure they might have had a good reason to everything i was just wondering if you happen to know because to me like I said when i see like i'm like with you when i see this i was this was like probably take me about 100 guesses before i would have got to this yeah i was not expecting the bone collector at all like i popped that email open and i was like oh Wow, I haven't thought of that in a long time. I guess which is perfect for a TV show. People haven't thought about it in a long time. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be curious about it. It it definitely has my attention. So when it comes out, I'll I'll definitely check it out, um, and and see how everything fits together. Um. But yeah, it was an interesting inter- interview. I was only able to interview like two people out of the four that were there. Um just because of a timing issue um so what the two people said in that time caught my attention awesome yeah i do like that it's new york city comic con and then you've just done nbc and abc and hulu shows yep (laughs) about murder and mysterious things and And a mobile game dimensions yes well, also some in general, like even we include last year, like you've just yeah. TV show. I guess that's my beat. I guess that's my angle. Yep. Um, but I do want to say one thing before we kind of wrap up. What was your favorite one? Ooh, I really loved the Samantha B one. Like it was so relaxed. Um, there's like a lot of weird, um, like stresses with like these press interviews. Um, like I was 
like 10 minutes early it's like the samantha b interview and they're like yeah just come in and chill out um and so <laughs> it was great like uh the, all three of them were there at once uh was on adam and samantha they were all three there so we were talking to all three of them at the same time and so we got to interview them for like 30 minutes before they had to leave so that was really cool um and then we got to hang out for a little bit before they had to go on to the next thing so that i enjoyed that i think like my second favorite might have been emergence i really liked the like the atmosphere of it like they were all like really excited to be there um alexis Swinton was super funny um especially when she kept on talking about how she wanted benny and joe to get together so badly um so yeah that it's it was a great experience um i got so many great interviews and great content for but why though so i'm i'm excited to see what happens next year as well um did any of them have snacks? <laughs> um, I think uh, yes. <laughs> there was one interview I did where there was like a snack table directly behind us that had like fucking mac and cheese, like warm mac and cheese and like cookies. What about mac and cheese? <laughs> like we only get cookies and like chips and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it like, was like I'm a getting mac and cheese. It was a buffet. Don't don't like don't disrespect dream hack like that they gave us food we were just never on time <laughs> but no like even because like i said i was just, it's just a fun question because like i said we've done plenty of interviews too where it's always like here's a buffet of snacks and i'm on there like did you get buffet of snacks yeah like it was like they had warm food there and there was this guy that was interviewing for like this radio station and he was just shoving his mouth full of food i'm like guy we're about to like talk to people and you, you're doing it for a radio station, hey, we, so your voice has to be like really clear and precise. And you have a mouthful <laughs> of like mac and cheese right now. Hey, you got to eat when you can eat. Sometimes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I respect that. But I think that was the emergence press because I distinctly remember Alexis Winton saying that she loves lemonade um, and that she hates Diet Coke. So, fun fact for all of you Alexis Winton fan bases out there: she loves lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> So awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, this was great hearing about this. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever make it to New York Comic Con. I really want to go, but don't know if that will ever be a thing. Uh, so it was really good hearing you kind of like report back and just honestly hearing you talk about like how much you've gotten to do this time versus the first time mm-hmm. and like how in depth you got with all the material, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, when I first started getting like the press emails and um, trying to set up stuff. Um, you know it was just a huge change from you know the first time I went I only got saddled with one and even then that was stressful for me because I was starting grad school um and I had to prepare for all of this and I was like this has to be just right and I was writing down like 20 or 30 questions um and then this time around I was like okay four that's great I'll have like two or three questions for each and then we'll just see where the interview takes us and so seeing the difference in me as a person and then where but why though is as a site like within this past year like the amount of growth that has happened um and measuring that with um conventions that's super cool awesome well why don't you tell everybody listening where they can find you um so you can find me in the garbage just kidding. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Kristen K. Bates. I mean, that's garbage, so you're yeah, close. Find me at Hot Garbage. Uh, Kristen K. Bates. Uh, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. The correct way to spell Kristen. Um, <laughs> shots fired. And you can also find me on Instagram at Kristen K. Bates. Um, I have a website that has all my writings um, and like video packages. It's www. Get ready, guys. KristenKBates.com. Um, I've, I've branded myself. Uh, so that's where you can find me. I'll be posting like thank memes and stuff on Twitter. So it's pretty exciting stuff. And then of course I'm a contributing writer for, but why though? So you can find all of my stuff on, but why though podcast.com. Awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, as always, you can find the podcast at, but why PC on Twitter. It's where we're most active. And if you like what you're hearing, 
uh, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash PC, and uh, help us a little bit. Dollar a month. Give us money. Yeah, maybe. That. Help me. I'm poor. <laughs> help me. I'm uh, poor. Anyway, <laughs> you can find me at OpenMythRandier on Twitter. Matt? You can find you where? At OpenMythRandier on Twitter. Oh, I didn't hear the last part. All I heard was, you can find me, Oman, and Matt. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. You cut out. You can find me. You can find me at OMSRandier on Twitter. Matt? Um, I'm going to go attempt to watch something on Hulu until I get commercials, and then I will turn it off and go back to Twitch. Mm-hmm.